Welcome to episode 20, part one of the current backloggers. The date is June 24th. I'm your host, KCP, and it's just me today. But I say part one because we weren't able to record together tonight, me and Cody. But he is currently recording part two on his end. So you'll get two podcasts this week, which might be a good thing because normally we record our podcast on Thursdays. And as long as nothing goes wrong, release on Friday. But we're recording the day earlier, so we're recording on Wednesday. Because on Thursday is when I'll be getting ready to leave to go out of state for over a week. I'm leaving on Friday, so that night I'll be getting ready for it. So make these two last if you need to. Expand it out. There will be another episode, so we won't even miss a week. We've been uh, doing this for over four months and haven't missed a week, so I'm pretty proud of that. With both of us having full-time jobs, significant others, family, other responsibilities that we haven't missed a single week. And Cody's going to keep that going for us by doing another solo episode next week. And then when I get back, we'll get back to the normal recording and being together and being on our set. But, yeah, after these come out, I'll be traveling to Portland, Maine. 14-hour drive each way to see my sister, my older sister, and uh, I'm going with my girlfriend, Danielle, and my family. So I couldn't be more excited. I love Ohio more than anything, and I think it's way too much hate. I would never want to live anywhere else. But I also love seeing other places, and traveling is maybe my favorite thing in the world. It's up there with video games, sports, all the things we talked about in here, but maybe even more so. But like I said, I do love video games, so... The one downside of that is when I come back, there'll be almost nothing to talk about that I played because obviously I can't take my video games with me. But the one bonus of long car ride is the potential of gaming with the Vita, 3DS, and my girlfriend and little sister have Switches. So it won't be the traditional gaming I do, but I also say all the time I'm going to play my Vita and my 3DS more and uh, my girlfriend's Switch. So hopefully I'm able to do that, at least in the car rides or some down moments during the trip. I don't want the trip just to be portable gaming because otherwise no point in going on a trip. But I would like to at times where it makes sense, especially because, like I said, I neglect them a lot to begin with. And I love the Vita, I love the 3DS, and I love the Switch, so I want to put more time into it. And I always have uh, grand plans when I go on these trips to do that and spend all the free time doing that so we'll see if it actually happens that's why i'm not getting too set on that but i do plan on it so when i come back not next week that'll be cody's episode but the week after that when we're together i'll be able to talk about if i was able to make any progress on that end and also be able to talk all about my trip which i'm super excited about but with all that being said we'll get into the normal show so I have been up to not a whole lot lately. Um, worth the normal 40-hour work week, which will be nice that uh, I won't say that for the next couple weeks because I'll have so much time off and then kind of a gap in between when we record our episodes. But we did have, we were able to have family dinner at um, our house, which was super nice. We were doing it every month to be able to get my family together, my girlfriend um, had the idea of doing it, and we just have everybody come over to my house, and 
my sister comes over she brings her little niece so it's a good time and um good excuse to be able to spend time with people and obviously we haven't been able to do that for a few months with everything going on so we did that this past saturday so it was really nice to be able to catch up and feel some more normalcy again especially like i said family's one of the most important things to me so that was super cool and then um corrections questions and feedback again didn't get any this week so if you have any send to current at gmail.com we could definitely use more questions like i said they can even be silly things they can be hypothetical things like a this or that kind of thing because we'll uh, be able to have more conversation with you guys and of course any corrections or feedback you have is always appreciated the news this week there's a a decent amount I'm not maybe going to start the most important to some people, but for me, I have to start with it. Out of nowhere, there's a teaser trailer dropped today, the second one for Halo Infinite. And there wasn't much to it, if I'm just judging objectively. All it was was um, the camera was panned in on a screen and somebody was talking. And it was like a minute and a half. And that's objectively all it was. But... Being a fan, I was so fucking excited, and I talked a number of times on here how they've shown almost nothing about the game. Like I said, this didn't really show any more about the game, but they give a lot of teases of what you could ex potentially expect with it. So the audio clip was this super badass voice talking, and um, he was clearly threatening humanity, and... Um, talking about how it will be the end of humanity, which I haven't played it, but I think we can say spoiler alert, it probably won't be the end of humanity. But um, it was just super cool, and he was talking about how the prophets are gone, there's no um, truth anymore, and it's time to take over. And... I was like, I don't really know what this is. So, as cool as it was, I had to do research. And it turns out that was um, a group called The Banished, which I know a lot about Halo, and I follow a lot of things that people don't pay attention to because I love the universe and the war and everything. But the reason that this didn't really connect with me is because... It's a big plot point in Halo Wars 2, which I talked on here about how I started with one of my friends and I haven't got back to because I was wanting to co-op with him and I don't want to abandon him. But it's been over a year, so I said hi to him. He was going to happen. I was just going to play on my own or play with somebody else I wanted to play. So I wish even more so I started a while ago now or finished it with him when um, we were able to play because... This sounds awesome. The Banished are um, a group mainly led by brutes, but they've also um, attracted hunters, elites, and grunts. And they splintered off from the Covenant because they didn't believe in the Great Journey and everything that was happening. Uh, so um, I was looking at his name to make sure I got it right because I said this all... Pretty new to me, unfortunately, but 
The leader is Atriox, and he's a super badass sounding brute. And he's the one that started the Banished when uh, he splintered off from the Covenant and has recruited all these people. So I think just the idea of that alone sounds fucking awesome. I do wonder what that means for the Prometheans, the um, enemies they introduced in Halo 4 and stayed around for Halo 5. Because they've gotten a lot of hate and people talk about how they just want the Covenant back and want it to feel like Halo. Which I get in a sense, but I hope they don't completely just abandon it and just listen to the hate. Because for one, I feel like you gotta stick with your vision at least somewhat. You can listen to criticism, make some adjustments, but I don't think you should just let the fans create your game that you had a vision for. And also, I feel like it's been proven, pr proven time and time again that the fans don't always know what they want. They say they want something and then get rid of it and then they talk about how you can't believe they got rid of it. And I feel like that's exactly what's going to happen if they just completely abandon um, the Prometheans. I feel like people are, hate the Prometheans and then as soon as they get rid of them they're going to talk about how they're cowards and they miss the Prometheans and why they had to go back to boring even though they're not the Covenant as far as facing them. I'd imagine they're going to be pretty similar to the Covenant. The Banished and I feel like that's just instantly what's going to happen. And also, I don't know how you explain plot-wise why they're just completely gone, the Prometheans, because, spoiler alert, they don't go away in five, and there's no reason they would. So, I think a middle ground and what would make the most sense and most be the most true to Halo is how the Banished come in to get that old Halo feel and have be able to face off against the Brutes, the Grunts, the Hunters, the Elites, all these classic characters. But also, keep the Prometheans in there. And actually even have to be more like Halo about having the Prometheans in there. Because in classic Halo form, the enemies would fight each other if you waited long enough. The Flood weren't the with the Covenant. And then later on when the Arbiter joined Master Chief, then some of them would fight with you against... Um, the Covenant, and it created a really interesting, not just story point point with the Arbiter, but even before that with the Flood, interesting different combat that you didn't see in a lot of games where typically it's just you versus whatever you're seeing, but this changed it because you could do that, or you could sit back and let them fight each other, or you get in the middle of it, or you could do a mixture, so it just uh, made the gameplay super interesting and different than a lot of games at the time or even now. And okay, so then it carried on with the Arbiter and um, some of the Covenant splitting off from that. Which I don't think you just need to rehash the exact story. I'm not saying the Banished join you or the Prometheans join you. I'm not even talking about story-wise. I'm just saying combat. I think it would make sense to have them in there. And nobody needs to join another side or anything. You could even have them kill off the race eventually or something. But I feel like that's a perfect middle ground. And I, say, I think as soon as... If they just remove them and have no reason. All these people have said that they just want the Covenant and Halo is just not the same anymore. Are going to talk about how they're cowards and talk about how the Prometheans were way better. And they just went back to the boring Covenant and the Prometheans were at least something different. Because this is exactly what happened with Halo. People talk about how it never changed and it's always just the Covenant over and over. And then they do something else and everybody talks about how they just need to go back to the Covenant. 
Psychedelics, uh, like I said, a prime example of people not knowing what they want. So, we still have gotten almost nothing about Halo Infinite. That tells you how little news has been that people are that into it, like me, or fucking losing their minds over a teaser trailer that had no characters in it and just had a screen of somebody talking. And I feel like it's a sign of it and not just the people are really into it because two hours after it was uploaded, it had a million and a half views just on um, IGN's YouTube. And then obviously combine that with it being on Microsoft and all the other big YouTube accounts, that, how much that would be. And then a small, this isn't anything like that, but a little small Halo tidbit. I meant to talk about last week. I told Cody after the podcast and he thought it was super cool. I saw a post from 343 talking about how they recorded some of the audio clips. And they used this infrared scanner over the original Xbox. And we're getting some of the sound bites for Halo Infinite uh, through that. Like by using the scanner holding over the Xbox and like pressing the power button or the ejection tray over and over. Or listening to the parts inside moving. And they're going to use that as sound effects in Halo Infinite. Obviously, that's not where they got all their sound effects. And it's probably going to be like some background noise or like a power-up or something. But just the idea that is so cool. Especially because it kind of connects all of Xbox. Because the original Xbox is what uh, Halo Combat evolved, a lo- uh, Combat evolved launched on. And... If there was no Halo, there's no way Xbox would have been successful, and there's no way there'd be any Xbox now. I know people like to talk about Call of Duty or whatever big game is at time, Fortnite, all these things, and talk about Halo is outdated. But I think people lose sight of the fact that a lot of that was powered and succeeded because of the Xbox. And like I said, there's no Halo. There would have there would have been Xbox, but that would have there'd be no Xbox anymore. There would have never been a 360 Xbox One. Halo is what's driven it. So I feel like the fact that they are going back to the original box to advertise their newest Halo game is super cool. And then I actually, when I was trying to find that clip before I started recording, I saw another way they're getting audio clips. Audio clips. And this one's just fucking ridiculous. But anybody that hasn't seen it should go on Halo's Instagram. Even for people that didn't think the last one sounded interesting. Because I think everybody could appreciate this in different ways. They're also getting alien noises by recording a pug. And they have him in a sound booth. And the recordings they're doing of him are fucking ridiculous. And like I said, as somebody that's into Halo, and oh, it's kind of cool, I guess. But I feel like even if you don't like Halo, just... There's so many people that care about dogs and the cuteness and all that that I think you'll get a laugh out of it. So you should definitely go to Halo's Instagram and check that out. And then the next thing was last week we talked about Pokemon Snap porting over to the Switch. And I said how that was cool, but I can't believe there hasn't been a sequel because the 3DS is a perfect device for it. The Wii U is even more perfect and the Switch is a perfect device for it. And the fact that they like to run Pokemon into the ground with every other Pokemon series and 
just do anything they can to make the next Pokemon. But for some reason, they made Pokemon Snap very successful and different game. Which is another thing. These Pokemon games that are coming out are just so similar and just keep coming out. But then something that's actually creative and different, they just abandon for decades and decades. But that changes because the day after we recorded that, they announced a new Pokemon Snap coming to Switch by the end of the year. They didn't get a release date, but it's a brand new Pokemon Snap, not a port, not anything, a sequel. And they had like a two minute trailer and it looks really cool. Um, the only concern I have is the same thing I mentioned last week. And they showed in this trailer, they showed a lot of Pokemon I didn't recognize. And I said, that's the one thing that as much as I want a sequel, I've always said that I don't know how much that will resonate with me just because there's so many of these Pokemon that I don't care about or even know about anymore. They keep creating so many of them. But I'm going to have to try it because like I said, I've been asked for it for like two decades now and we're getting it. So I have to give it a chance. I'm assuming it's going to be a $60 game because they know they can make Everybody's going to buy it for that. I do feel like it should be a $40 game. Obviously, it's a weird thing to say. I know a lot of people kind of make that argument just because they want to spend less money and don't like spending more on games and don't think it's worth it. That's not how I am. I think the majority of games have every right to be that way. And this has a right to. I just don't think it should be. Because... The mechanics of it and what the game actually is is pretty simplistic and there's not much to it. I think $40 is the perfect price for it to not feel like you're getting ripped off, but also to be able to sell millions and millions of copies. But we'll see what they do with that. And I, um, another thing is that I feel like something that made Pokemon Snap so special is that it was simplistic like that and it was simplistic but there's a lot of really uh smart twists and like easter eggs i guess you could say to it and i really hope they don't abandon that and they realize what made pokemon snap so special it wasn't they could throw millions of pokemon in there and it wasn't that as a crazy puzzle and that you had to do everything to figure out and know every mechanic. Like I said, it was the simplistic, but there's also a lot of interesting twists and how you figure that out wasn't challenging. It was just a fun puzzle to figure out, a fun Easter egg. And my worry is, especially with there being so many Pokemon now and so many different Pokeballs and effects and all these things I don't even know about anymore is that I feel like they'll think that they do have to throw a ton of content in there because they probably do want it to be $60 and do you know people's attention spans are so small and that everything has to be so crazy now but I just hope that's not the case because I said I think you're going to lose everything that made Pokemon Snap so special and 
I think that's all I had to say on it. I've been waiting for this game for decades and decades. And I hope it can live up to... Not even really my expectations. I don't think my expectations are too high. I think they're very reasonable. But I'm worried that they're going to try and go beyond reasonable when it's not necessary. But we'll see. Like I said, everything I've seen so far looks good. Just even in the trailer, they looked really good. They were showing countless Pokemon and so many effects and so many Pokeballs and all these things I haven't seen before. That I just, I just hope they don't lose what made Pokemon special and the really small puzzle things like how you had to lure certain lure certain Pokemon into like volcanoes or certain areas to get a better picture of them to get a higher score so there always was mechanics that didn't make it so simplistic and made it more of a puzzle and made something interesting but didn't go too far with that that became frustrating and that's why i hope this does and then sticking with pokemon they actually announced today a new pokemon game see they just don't stop these pokemon games called pokemon unite and it's a League of Legends style strategy game that's free to play coming to Switch and um, mobile. And I don't know how I feel about this. Like I said, I'm not really the target audience for Pokemon anymore. As a kid, it was one of my favorite things in the world. And that's why I have such a connection to old things like Pokemon Snap. So I'm not really the guy for this. But I wanted to talk about it because I did think it was interesting. And I've never played League of Legends in my life, but I know all about it. And I feel like the idea of it is intriguing. It's just so overwhelming and such a time sink to even understand it, let alone get good at it. So this could actually be intriguing to me too, as I do like the world of Pokemon. If it's not that deep of a game and it's more base level. But... I don't know if that would be a good thing for majority of people because if they're aiming it like that, then I feel like they make it more simplistic than League of Legends. People will destroy it. So it's hard to tell which way they'll go with it and what would be successful with it. I also am curious to see what the free-to-play model is because that can be a good or a bad thing. Well, they call it free-to-start, which is Nintendo's term for it, which I get their messaging with that because... Free-to-play has been turned into something really terrible and kind of a negative phrase. But doing free-to-play the right way, like Apex or Warzone or a lot of these countless games have done it the right way, where you can get the full game experience, and if you want to buy extra stuff on top of that, that's on you. Or if you want like the game and want to support it, that's on you. I feel like it's a perfectly fine and totally okay way to do that and makes perfect business sense and you end up making more money because people want to support you and then you also have the people that are just addicted and want to buy every skin and everything like that. But I don't feel like it should be free to play and then force you to pay some or force you to buy everything and then you end up spending more than game. I feel like that's where free to play goes wrong. So I guess we'll see how to handle that. And then again going off last week, Cody mentioned how Star Wars Squadrons will probably be filled with microtransactions because 
Um, it just seemed like that kind of game. Like he used the example of like the Wookiee bobblehead on the squadron, on like the dashboard, and things like that, where they'd probably get you and get you, kind of like the I said the free to play model. This game isn't free to play, but kind of like that, where they try and get you on all the little things. But again, I think the day after we recorded that, EA get, EA came out and said that there'll be no microtransactions in the game. So. I'm totally okay with that, especially with being a paid game. I don't think there's anything wrong. I know a lot of people hate on it, but I think microtransactions are perfectly fine in a game if it's um, kind of like I said with free-to-play, if it's not ruining the game or making it worse for others, cosmetic, things like that. I think it's even more so obviously okay in a free-to-play game, but even a paid game, I think it's okay as long as it you don't have to do it to play the game or it doesn't have truly affect the game. I think that's perfectly fine. And then they said it won't be a living game, which means it won't be, not that it won't be updated, it'll be updated for, um, I'm sure, new modes or fixes or bugs or whatever, but it won't be a living game in the sense of like Destiny or all these games I talked about where they're just constantly getting updated to the point where you can't even keep up with it. And if you drop out for a little bit, there's no point in playing anymore because it's so far behind. Which a lot of people probably won't like that because people are so used to living games now. And if there's not new content, then every five seconds, then people have an issue with it. Kind of like I talked about with people's attention span. And uh, I don't think every game needs to be like this where it's not living and there's no microtransactions or anything like that. But I think it's super refreshing and really cool to see a game do that because I've talked on here about as much as I love Destiny and games like that that are just constantly updating and can hardly keep up with them. It is at the same time overwhelming and exhausting because you feel like you can't just play a game or drop it for a couple months and come back and you feel like there's no end point to it. So I feel like it's really refreshing and I know people love to hate on EA. I said it last week and I'm not one of those people. I'll criticize them. I don't care. They do plenty wrong but they also make some of the best games in the world and they're one of the biggest developers in the world and almost everybody complains about them owns handful if not more of their games and plays them regularly but then they hate on them because it's a cool thing to do but I feel like just like people hate on everything they do for that they should get props for that but that won't happen because people love being negative and love dogpiling and enjoying other people's opinions instead of saying how they feel so I think it's super refreshing, um, and like I said, even though it's not a living game, I'm sure they'll still update it and add new modes and do things to keep it somewhat fresh, because games have always done that. I don't think that's what they mean by not a living game, so like I, said, I don't think every game needs to turn into that now. We can't have living games. I think variety is always better, so it's nice to see somebody do something that you don't expect, especially with it being a $40 game, it's even more surprising that they're willing to cut out microtransactions and all these things that will definitely make them more money. Like I said, I feel like you have to give EA props for that. And then something I mentioned last week when we were talking about um, EA's press conference was the weird tech demo thing they did. And I meant to go back and watch it. I guess 
I don't know if it was well known or if I was oblivious. Cody didn't notice it either. That's why I wanted to go watch it. I guess that tech demo was Battlefield, uh, the next Battlefield game. So, I don't know if I completely missed it. I guess I could put this in corrections. But again, I don't know if this was on us or on them because I did not feel like it was clear that that was Battlefield 6 or even a Battlefield at all. It just looked like a weird tech demo to me. So, I don't know if I missed something or not. But that's what that was. And then, probably the biggest news of the week, but um, just isn't really my thing, but I definitely know how big news it is. Microsoft is shutting down Mixer and partnering with Facebook Gaming, which Mixer, if you don't know, is like Twitch or YouTube Gaming. It's just uh, streaming games and Ninja and uh, Shroud, two of the biggest streamers, especially Ninja. I feel like even people don't know streaming know about him because he's become so mainstream. He's been on Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, countless magazine covers that aren't video game related. So I feel like he's past the point of just video game people knowing about him. And that's all to point out how big Mixer was because it was relatively new compared to obviously YouTube. Um, but even Twitch, but it seemed like it was gaining momentum so fast to the point, like I said, it could steal two of the biggest streamers, especially Ninja, just literally the biggest streamer there is in gaming. And they got both them to join Mixer. So it seemed like that was on the uprise, and that was very recent that they joined. And then now they essentially announced their shutting it and then transforming to Facebook gaming. And they said that anybody was in contract with them can either switch to Facebook gaming or end their contract and both of them ended their contract. So I feel like that's not a good sign for Facebook gaming, Mixer, whatever you want to call it. I said, I feel like it's really weird that right when it seemed like his game momentum is when it stopped. And for people who don't know this, it's not like those people just transferred over and started using it. Microsoft gave Ninja a $30 million contract to come over. So you give somebody a $30 million contract, which I know Microsoft money, that's nothing, but still they don't just give people $30 million because they feel like it or to be nice. So giving $30 million to one person to promote this platform they're joining, and then very soon after essentially ending it, it's just crazy to me. I am curious to see what will happen to Facebook gaming and if this actually becomes stronger because of it, because so many people on Facebook and how to go about using that, um, partnering with Microsoft could actually end up making it stronger, but right now it seems really odd. And then um, something I saw that wasn't really reported, I don't know if people have known this or if people just didn't really care, but Ready at Dawn, the studio that made uh, Thor 1886 and some pretty good uh, Vita games, so they've always been historically Sony. Um, they are on, they're also joining Facebook as a uh, Facebook's developer, um, Facebook developing branch to make games, which Ready at Dawn, there it's not like they're top of the line or anything, but I think they've done really good stuff. And even the order 1886, I think had a lot of promise just you could tell either didn't have enough time or had something missing, but 
they had something going there. So I'm surprised somebody like Sony didn't see that and didn't see the potential or even the six prior success enough to keep them around. And like I said, maybe this was older news and I just missed it and that's why nobody's really talking about it. But I never heard the news when it happened. So if it is news, current news, I can't believe nobody's really reporting on it. It's just kind of something that's happened. And then something else that came up this week was uh, Nintendo announcing they're stepping away from mobile gaming, as in phone gaming, not like 3DS or Switch. But the reason they cite moving away from it is the success of Animal Crossing New Horizons and the sales numbers for it. And that's what the headline is about Nintendo. It sounds like more if you read the article that they're kind of just slowing down or waiting to see what happens. doesn't sound like to me at least that they're just stopping it. But I'm still surprised that they made that decision so fast. On one hand, I respect it because I love console gaming and mobile phone gaming has never really been for me. There's been a few here and there I kind of like, but I can just never get into it like people do. But the one thing I thought could maybe switch that for me is Nintendo. And the few that I've somewhat gotten into have mainly been Nintendo's games. And I feel like they seem to have a better handle of how mobile games work. And to not just have these free-to-play nonsense games and money grabs. They seem really thought out and designed for mobile games. And not just try to port over everything and made them specifically for mobile games. And it's also surprising that they would base that off of New Horizons sales because for one, they should have seen those sales numbers coming, at least very good sales numbers, even though they maybe couldn't project it. They should have known it was going to sell well. And I know that game is selling crazy, but Nintendo has been selling game, their first party game is amazing for decades and decades, so I don't know why they got mo into mobile gaming in the first place if all they were doing it was to because they thought they weren't going to be successful in console or mainstream gaming because they have been that. So it's a little weird to me. And then the only other news is the Guinness Book of World Records reinstated Billy Mitchell's Donkey Kong High scores, which if you don't know this story... Um, I guess kind of spoil alerts, but this is a true story and really old, so um, I think it doesn't really need to be spoiled. But uh, if you don't know the story, Billy Mitchell held the uh, Donkey Kong High score for a long time, and there's a super interesting documentary called uh, The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters that goes into this because uh, somebody beat his high score, and let me look up his name. I should have done that. I know the guy's name too, but it's going to bother me. Just one second. We're getting there. Oh, yeah, that's right. God, I was right on the tip of my tongue. I should have trusted myself. Steve Wiebe. He's the one that beat Billy Mitchell's record. And you think that would be pretty cut and dry and why well, you need a documentary of that? Maybe a short like YouTube thing to, like, oh, that's kind of interesting, beat it. But the reason you need a documentary and why you should watch this, even if you didn't know the story and this is a spoiler for you, 
is because it gets fucking bonkers and something that should be so cut and dry and should be able to be a 10-minute thing on YouTube turns into one of the most ridiculous things you've ever seen. Billy Mitchell is one of the most conceited douchebags I've ever seen. And Steve Weeby is like the nicest down-to-earth guy. And the point of the documentary is that he beats his high score, but Billy Mitchell keeps doing everything he can to get it discounted and not count. And um, Twin Galaxies is a company that uh, sends these records to the James Booker World Records. And Billy Mitchell just has all of them in like a fucking... It's almost like a cult, so anything he says, they believe, even though he's clearly lying and clearly just trying to keep his high score that isn't really there. So I don't want to say everything, and like I said, it's a true story, so I don't feel like I need to, but it just turns into this thing that just keeps unfolding and getting crazier and crazier and more cultish. And then there's also, it's like a perfect documentary. It has everything. It has a good story. It's heartwarming. It's fucking hilarious. It's uh, a little disturbing. So if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Great documentary, but it ends with it showing Steve Weeby finally got his high score recognized. And this news kind of makes the documentary a little more of a bummer because Billy Mitchell got all of his high scores reinstated. Not that even though I hate him, if he just straight up got better records again, I'd be like, all right, well, that sucks, but it'd be kind of hypocritical of me saying he's a douchebag for trying to stop that and then me getting upset that he gets records and not wanting him up. But it's the fact that he got him reinstated when you can watch this documentary and see how much BS is going on and that he should have never had these scores. And then I had no gaming pickups this week. And what I've been playing was me and Cody got to play a little bit of Anthem. We got to play a few missions. It was a shitload of fun. We talked about while we were playing. We don't understand the hate for it. We think the more we play it, it could get repetitive. But that's countless games. But it's super fun. Um, the mechanics of it are so cool. The gameplay is so fluid and natural. We're just having a ton of fun with it. Um, I played more Twin Breaker on PS4. Just kind of picking up here and there. It's a perfect game for that. And kind of slowly working my way towards hopefully getting a Platinum. And hopefully getting Platinum in both of them. Maybe I can play some of that on my trip. Played some more Madden working on a franchise. Played some uh, Call of Duty Warzone. So that was fun. Played some uh, MCC. I was playing some multiplayer with my sister. So that was a lot of fun. And then the last thing I played this week was Valorant, which is Riot Games' new game. They're the creators of the previously mentioned League of Legends. But this is their take on a FPS. It's kind of like a over, uh, Overwatch mixed with uh, Counter-Strike. And this was on one of my uh, most anticipated games list. And I'm really liking it. Which is saying something because it's PC only, which we didn't talk about in the news the past couple weeks. But Riot said that they hope to get it to uh, consoles, but they have no plans of it and they don't know if it will happen. 
when I put it on my list, I could have sworn I think I even talked about it being a console game. That's part of why I was so excited because I don't play PC games. I do, but um, I plug in or I connect the controller every time I play. So most people consider it not even PC gaming, even though I would. But yeah, I say you have to be mouse and keyboard for it. So if I knew that, that would have actually taken almost all my excitement away unless there was controller support, which there isn't so far. But that should tell you how solid this game is and how excited I am because like I said I only use controller and anybody that knows me knows I can't do mouse and keyboard. Some of it's probably stubbornness, but also I've tried and I just can't do it. I feel like I can't learn it. And this game I've actually been playing mouse and keyboard. That's how much I like it. And I don't think I'm doing that great, but I've won it's a team game, so it's not me, but we won five or six games, which I'm sure has helped me like it, because winning is always more fun, obviously. But I feel like all the mechanics of it are super nice, or super good, and the uh, style of it is really nice, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that's something that's even caught me off guard, that I'm sitting there using mouse and keyboard to play this game. Like this, I feel like speaks volumes to how solid this game is, and... I don't know if I'll ever get used to mouse and keyboard. I don't know if it's just this game or if it's my mindset about it making me feel different. Because I feel like I'm doing it kind of naturally, which is weird to me. I'm definitely still looking down to keyboard at times, especially for more of the, I know like the basics of the controls, but there's a lot of mechanics that uh, I feel like on a controller I would get right away, but on keyboard I feel like I'm missing some of the game because I don't know all these things that other people do. And you also have the, very nice, very humbling PC audience to help you out if you need it. Like, uh, when I didn't know how to plant the spike, because I said, I don't know, I know the most basic of these controls, especially on PC. And the kid with the super whiny, sound like 12 year old voice, told me I was a fucking cunt head. And then his friend, though it's an even more whiny voice, said, yeah, I think this dude wants me to shove my tongue all the way down his fucking throat till it leaves his asshole. And I was like, yeah, PC gaming, this is very inviting, and uh, you're definitely allowed to make mistakes and learn on here. This is nice. I don't know why I've been missing out on. But um, in all seriousness, that seriously happened, sadly. That's not a real story, but as far as seriousness of how I'm feeling, I really like it, and I don't know if this will ever get me into mouse and keyboard, and I don't know if it's that this game tends to make it a little easier for you on mouse and keyboard, or it's just my expectations of wanting to play it so bad does make me ignore how much I don't know the mouse and keyboard. And like I said, even though I feel like I know it, I feel I know like the most basic things, like the movement, the shooting, because there's all these different commands and keys and all this shit that I don't know how to do, which is also probably make me play not nearly as well because we've won five or six and I feel like I've actually done pretty decent especially to a point where I shouldn't be threatened with a tongue down my throat till it leaves my asshole but um I guess that's PC life but uh I feel like I would definitely be better if it was on a controller because I would know all these things and it'd be second nature to me to know how to put the spike down or know all these 
power-ups because like six different power-ups you have on top of your shooting so to me it's been pretty much a basic shooter and trying to do these things but not knowing how so it kind of sucks i feel like there's so much more to it that i haven't got to hang up yet but i'll keep you updated on my pc adventures and see if it's something i can stick with that i approve or if i just realize that it was early on i can't do it but no matter what i hope it does come to console because I don't feel like there's much like that on the console, even though I compare it to two other things. I feel like it is pretty unique, and even then, those things I compare it to, I don't feel like are very common. So I hope I do get on console at some point. Or at least controller support on PC. Um, I actually haven't been watching much at all. The only thing I watched this week, we did Mandalorian Monday, the last Mandalorian Monday, because it was episode 8 of the gallery, and that was the last one. And this one was Connections, which was the longest episode yet at 38 minutes. And it was super interesting. It talked all about how uh, the connections of it, what it has to every um, other Star Wars. And point out all these obscure things they connected to that as even a big Star Wars fan that has seen all these movies and watched all the Mandalorian. I didn't realize like all these back characters and... The early Star Wars movies that became main characters in this show, like, uh, God, what's the, I can't remember the main robot's name in The Mandalorian, but he was uh, in the back scene of Return of the Jedi for like two seconds, and he became a main character, and there's just countless things like that. So if you haven't watched The Gallery, I highly recommend it, especially it gets better as it goes on, so if you're not liking it, I would stick with it. And they talked about, I've never heard this, it's probably, if you're a Star Wars nut, I feel like I like Star Wars a lot, and I've seen everything. But there's some people take it next level. I'm sure they'll lose their minds if I didn't know about this. But uh, Will Rowe Hood was a background character that was uh, running around in the original trilogy. And I guess he was carrying a prop that was supposed to be like uh, some big computer part. But they uh, couldn't find something that looked like it, so he had an ice cream maker. So it's turned into this ridiculous... Uh, ongoing joke at like the Star Wars conventions and whatnot that people dress up as him and carry around an ice cream maker and they said this ice cream maker is really hard to find so it sells out every year and it's become a running joke so that whole thing is fucking hilarious to me and uh, they um, use the ice cream maker in the Mandalorian when uh, he opens it up to get those uh, what do you call them I can't remember what they call them in the show but like his piece of armor those things they turns in are from the ice cream maker. There's just a lot of ridiculous connections like that that I think are super interesting. And then the episodes I told Cody last week that I couldn't remember what they were called or what they went into, but they were super interesting. Episode 7 was the score, so it was all the music, which most people I feel like don't really care about that, or if they do like the music, there's like notes in the background. For me, that matters a lot. In The Mandalorian, I thought, had a really unique score, even aside from Star Wars, that had like an interesting twist to it. And this goes into that and shows why it does sound different. And it's super interesting. And uh, the composer is uh, this guy. He obviously eventually, and a whole orchestra does it. But it's this one dude, the original composer of it. His instruments of coming up with these songs, as soon as he plays the first note, you're like, oh shit, I know that from the show. Like I said, it doesn't sound as over-the-top because it's not orchestra. 
but this dude is so talented and does it with like 10 different instruments so it's super interesting and episode six was called a process that was kind of just a deeper dive into the um how they film it and everything which was interesting to me but like i said overall i think it was super interesting and if you have any interest in how it was made any of the stuff that i talked about if you like that kind of stuff i would watch it and like i said if you think it's not as interesting as i made it out to be i'd stick with it because it gets more interesting as it goes um so probably should have done this in the news so i'm gonna stop here before we get back to the normal show and before i even get here i should have started with um my week how it's been i'm rocking this guy because it's wine shirt wednesday we don't usually record on wednesdays as i talked about so there's that and um then me and cody were going to talk about a couple conferences and that's where i should have opened the show but obviously he's not here but I'm going to talk about my end, and hopefully on his end he will too. So, we're going to do the Grill Collective Day 3. And when I started it, I noticed, or I saw that they were only doing 7 games, and they were a deeper dive into the games they've already shown. So, I watched some of it, but we won't even talk about it. And I wish we would have started it before last week, so we would have known that, because I thought we were going to have a whole other uh, conference to talk about, but... I didn't really see much point in just talking about the same things that we've already seen for games that we weren't that crazy about overall. Besides Boyfriend Dungeon, they went deep in the dungeon, and it was awesome. But uh, there was a VR showcase, which I thought was actually super interesting. And even though it was lower scale and obviously lower budget, I felt like it was way more productive and got the point of actually showing games a lot more than majority of these giant companies which is saying something especially in vr i feel like it's the hardest way to show a conference but they started with i'm not gonna go over every game i just did a handful of them that looked interesting to me i think this was the first one though it was a uh, solaris off-world combat which was a eight player online multiplayer fps coming to oculus in 2020 and it looks fucking awesome kind of looks like if you played um splitgate on pc it looks a lot like that or for a more common thing but i feel like splitgate's closer kind of like a halo mixed with unreal tournament but it was super interesting but i was like, damn it this is just gonna be oculus and at the end it said psvr 2020 i was like fuck yeah because it was so cool and there's so much, as much as I love the PSVR, I can recognize it's not as high scale as the other ones, but I also don't have $4,000 to build on a PC and then a $800 to spend on a VR. I know I'm exaggerating, but PSVR is just something more entry level and easier to get into. So I was super excited when they announced it was coming to that because I definitely thought it was going to be a PC VR only kind of thing. And then they showed um, Onward which is not the pixar movie it's fps that's so like arma which if you haven't played arma which i haven't but cody loves it and some of our friends do so i know about it it's like a realistic uh tactical shooter and 
it just looks super interesting. I think one of the things with VR that I've always said is that it can make games that wouldn't be interesting interesting and games that might be interesting even more interesting like games like job simulator if you play that a controller that would be the most boring shit in the world but doing it in vr just makes it so much more goofy and feel real and not real like you're working a job but real like the fun you're having and the mechanics of it working but also being really goofy that's just inherently more fun and i feel like that's part of what made this uh, showcase work a lot better is that VR just inherently makes everything more interesting if it doesn't work as good, which hopefully it should and or will and should obviously, but that's not always the case. The next thing I was interested in was uh, The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, which is on PSVR and I actually hadn't played it and I was that was another game I wanted to come to PSVR because it was on PC first and then I didn't get it so I'm all talk I guess. But they showed that there's an update coming in July called a Meat Grinder, which is a great name. And like I said, I haven't gotten myself yet, and I need to, and that's just more reason to with that update. Then they showed a game called Traffic Jam that looks super interesting. Kind of an example of the VR thing I was talking about. If you just heard that, that would sound like the most boring shit in the world. And I feel like even some people don't get VR will say that, like, oh, you're simulating a traffic jam that sounds real fun but that's what i'm saying i feel like when you're doing it and you realize that it's not like a simulation of traffic jams it's a lot fun a lot more fun and goofy and silly and uh when they said i actually had that worry i wasn't being cynical i thought that's what they were going for like a city skylines kind of thing i was oh that sounds terrible but then they described it and it's like a really goofy version of that and up to four people can connect on their mobile devices and create like uh, obstacles in the traffic jam or throw out ridiculous things to make the jam forest for you. And I think that's really cool. And I don't think enough games do that in VR where it, VR is cool and a big part of it is immersing yourself in it and kind of escaping reality. But I feel like it also has a, another cool, completely separate component that a lot of people don't take advantage of and the ones that have, I think, have been a lot of fun for me and my friends is realizing that even though it is a seems like isolated thing it can actually bring people closer if you do it ways like that so i thought it looked really interesting and then the next game that caught my attention was uh lone l-o-n-n it's a kind of weird game to describe but it had a lot of interesting things in it it kind of looked like a cyborg telekinesis samurai game i guess they had no release date for it and no playstation vr so i'm sure it's not coming to psvr because it looked real over the top but it looked cool then there was a ghost patrol which was a one to four player co-op game that looks like a complete ripoff of luigi's mansion but i love luigi's mansion and then they said we're coming to vr arcades and i was like i don't know what that even means i don't know if this is something i'm missing out on or if this is a studio or what it is but i looked it up and it seems like it's actually kind of what cody talked about last week about how you could re revitalize arcades it didn't seem i couldn't find like locations or if there's any uh in columbus ohio around us but it seems like it's that like uh 
a virtual arcade. So you go in and they have all these VR set up and it's a massive arcade, but VR. And I have seen that at some places like Dave and Buster's has like a VR section or there's even places around us that do, do full VR, but it's kind of like you go in and just use a VR for a certain amount of time and play the games that are on VR. It's not like this or what I feel like Coda is talking about where it turns the whole experience into that. So I thought that was super interesting and uh, hopefully I'll be able to find one of those at some point because I feel like that's a really cool idea. The next one that caught my attention was Gnomes and, Gob uh, Gnomes and Goblins, which just caught my attention because it's John Favreau's game. And they didn't say, they had no release date and didn't say what it was coming to. So I don't think it'll be PSVR, unfortunately. But this caught my attention because they've actually shown clips of this game throughout uh, the gallery. And John Favreau, the way he talks, I feel like he's somebody that really gets games. I don't know if he plays them or not, but even if he doesn't, I feel like he's somebody who gets it, not like a money grab or like he knows what's cool right now. He seems very interested and very understanding of what works and what doesn't. So I thought that was really cool to see. And the next one that caught my attention was Vertigo Remastered, which I didn't put notes of what it looked like, unfortunately, which I should have. But it looked really cool, but then I... What caught my attention more that said remaster because I thought I was looking at something completely new. So I was a little confused by that. Um, the next one that caught my attention was Pistol Whip, which kind of looked like, you know, to me, like Super Hot meets John Wick. Um, mixed with, like, uh, I feel like that was, like, the style of gameplay. But then the aesthetic looked like Tron to me which was fucking awesome. Now, this game was so cool, and it was already out on PC VR, so they all, because they were going to announce updates for it, so they oh, some expansions are coming, another game I won't be able to play. And they did announce uh, a new expansion that's coming out in August. And I was like, yeah, it was cool, but I don't think I can play this. And then they announced it's coming out PSVR July 28th, and I was like, hell yeah. And they announced that uh, there'll be more content at the end of the year. So, that's great news. And then they showed Walking Dead Onslaught, which is coming to all VR. And I just said more information coming soon. But, uh, I'm really interested in this game. Like I said, I haven't played the last Walking Dead game, so I guess I'm all talk. But this one's supposed to be a lot different style. Not that there's anything wrong with the last one because I haven't played it and it looks interesting. But I don't feel like there's anything wrong with doing a different style and making a different style of game with it. And then the next one that caught my attention was Blast On. It's a like a dueling fighting game, so it's kind of just like a kind of remind me of an old school game, old school game in a way where there's just a ring and two people are in it, so you're both doing VR obviously, not in the same room, but I'm sure you could maybe, but uh, they announced platforms, so I'm guessing it's PC only, so maybe you could do head-to-head, -head. but I think it's more for online, but it just looked really cool. It was a pretty simple-looking combat game, but again, I think VR just changes it so much the way that it talked about if you slow down, then um, you'll be screwed because the other person has all the tactics, so it kind of just looked like a really interesting strategy game as far as how you take the duel. Which, like I said, I feel like VR just changes things so much. 
And then the last thing they showed that caught my attention was um, they showed Vacation Simulator, which I haven't gotten yet, but now that I Platinum Job Simulator, I'm planning on getting. And this helped my case because it showed uh, expansion back to job coming out in fall of 2020. And I was like, well, I don't really need to buy an expansion, I guess. I haven't bought the real game. And they announced it was going to be free. So extra hell yeah, I need to do that. So that was all for that. And then we watched uh, Jeff Keeler's reveal of Crash Bandicoot. It's about time. Which first off, him having Crash come up to the door and knock. A lot of people probably think it's cringy. And I usually think that stuff is cringy. But I feel like if people think that's cringy, they don't know the whole story of Crash and don't know the old marketing of him standing outside Nintendo Studios yelling at him and talking shit. So I just thought it was corny, but it was super funny and pretty cute. But then the game itself, it's called It's About Time, which I think is a cool name and play on words because it is about time travel, but also a play on the fact that they're finally making a true sequel. And that's what this is. They uh, are ignoring some of the old uh, PS2 games and making this the fourth sequel or the fourth one. So kind of like a, the whole, what the Halloween did. So it looks super interesting. Obviously everything's modernized, but it looks like they're sticking to their core gameplay elements with some twists in there, which like I said, I feel like is exactly what games like that should be like Pokemon Snap. So we'll see when we actually play the game, but looks wise, I feel like they nailed it. Um, and then reminders for your free games this week you have on Xbox One, Shantae and A Pirate Curse till June 30th. You have Coffee Talk till July 15th. And on 360 you have Cinemora till June 30th. On PlayStation Plus you have Call of Duty World War II and Battlefront 2 till July 6th. No fake outrage this week. Um, so, I think that brings me to the end of the show. Uh, like I said, we've been doing this for over four months now, which is bonkers to think about almost half a year. And we haven't missed a week yet. So, I'm really proud of that with it's everything that comes with that. Us being able to do this. And Cody said he'll do his next week. So, we'll keep that streak going. Eventually, we're going to miss one we both have full-time jobs, significant others, everyday things going on. So I know it happens a matter of time. I just, I didn't think it would last this long without missing a week. So I think it's cool. And if you tuned in every week or I mean, for one episode or whatever, I really appreciate it and hope you keep doing the same and hope you watch Cody's episode. And if you want to send feedback on that, who did better, what you thought went Good, bad, we'd appreciate it. You can send to currentbackorders at gmail.com. Any corrections, questions, or feedback you have, you can do that. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you can do, do that by following Current Backlog. Like I said, thanks for watching. I know this is a different week, but hopefully interesting. And look forward to Cody's episode. Thank you.